All good things start with a spark of inspiration. Welcome to Talking With Our Mouths Full. I'm Nightingale. And I'm Michael Chan. And today is a very, very special quarantine capsule episode. And extra special. We are also going to be interviewing someone very special. Very special. Yes, that's right. We are interviewing our very own Nightingale. Oh, yeah. Hi, hi. I'm Nightingale. I'm the QQ creator. Thank you for having me on the show. Happy to talk about the QQ. Thanks, what, guys. What are you doing, Night? You're the co-host as well. Right. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Whoops. Why so serious, Nightingale? Come on. <laughs> You're such a troll, I swear. <laughs> Again, I'm happy to talk about the QQ. Thank you for having me on the show that I co-host. <laughs> <laughs> but we are, oh my God, we are definitely uh, <laughs> happy to be talking about the quarantine capsule here on the final episode of TWOMF in 2020, Nightingale. Mm. Absolute last episode. The previous episode, you heard about the QQ. We talked to the mentees, part of the mentorship program. But yes, Nightingale is indeed the creator of the quarantine capsule. And so we are going to dig in, Knight. Yes, dig in. But, but I would also the, like to dig into the, the, the food, food stuff. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Now, I understand that today you have a place you want to introduce to everybody. I'm very excited to hear what it is. Okay. Yes. I would like to introduce Harina Bake Shop. It is a Filipino bakery located at 314 Wilson Avenue in North York. Its major intersection is Wilson Avenue and Bathurst Street. It's really a gem of an area whenever you're looking for Filipino eats because you see one, then you just see a bunch of other ones. It's, it's fun. So anyway... The bakery smells really great as there's tons of things baking, such as pendasel, Spanish bread, ansamadas, and more. So to keep up with the traditional Filipino flavors, many of the baked goods have ube, or also wise known as purple yam. Ooh, ube, so for example, I, <laughs> I know, right? So if you're looking for pendasel, they also have ube flavored ones. And it's not just like they put ube inside. It's more like even the bread is also like purple, like ube. What? With ube in it too. So it's just like ube, like, you know, nirvana, basically. I also recommend the ube bar that they have there. It's kind of like a giant cake slice that is covered with coconut shavings. So it's like a purple ube cake with coconut shavings. Ube, totally get me some when, uh, when this pandemic is overnight. Mm, <laughs> it's totally delicious. It's right by the highway too, in case you want to go for a quick drive. So if you love like Southeast Asian flavors, I definitely recommend... Harina Bake Shop, especially if you're in the North York area, looking for some fresh baked goods. If you go in the morning, you will smell it. So you won't get lost. Harina Bake Shop. Oh my God, that sounds so good. Oh my God. I love how you totally just ignored my pun, you troll. <laughs> Thank you for having me on the show. <laughs> See you next time, guys. <laughs> oh God. Okay. So you, <laughs> you are- Am I done? <laughs> yes, yes you are thank you very much have a good day night <laughs> no no you're not done we have a long way to go but yes the quarantine capsule i have been watching you work on this for the last few months and then 
now it's out. Now it's uh, it's online. All the exhibits are there, and it's been it's been amazing, an amazing experience for me just to to see everyone's experience and see. Uh, and you're a part of it too. Yes, I am. Uh, and Timothy Ng, shout out to Timothy Ng. Timothy, yes, our film switch is uh, one of the exhibits in the quarantine capsule. Thank you very much for uh, accepting our film night. Uh, we really appreciate it. There was but no yes. jury, so it was just kind of like, sure. <laughs> I bet you were the one who was telling them not to put it in, right? Because you're such a troll. <laughs> well, then you, you we wouldn't see it on the QQ. So, you know, <laughs> there are other forces at play. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and but yeah, it's been... It's been nice watching you work on this uh, this project. You you it's it's been very inspiring watching you uh, work on it. So so let's talk about that. Let's talk about where this all began. What led to the creation of the quarantine capsule? Oh, I'm gonna need five more episodes. Just joking. <laughs> um. <laughs> we can do that. It's our show. You are the co-host. We can do five episodes if you want. <laughs> Thank you. See you next episode. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so first, it came from the pandemic. It came from me just being very aware that this is going to be a very historical moment, that it's going to be recorded. It also came from also working on Wuhan, Toronto. And it made me realize, like, I can't just sit by and just, like, not do anything. I was also just waiting around for somebody to, like, speak up and say something that wasn't like, hey, can you stop being, like, doing all this discriminatory hate behavior and everything, because I feel like when you, when you say something like that, it kind of brings out more violence. It brings out more anger because you're using the words don't. And whenever people say don't, people respond with the exact opposite. Yeah. It would also came from a place where a lot of people were feeling hurt. And I just saw a lot of creativity at the same time. And I just wanted to create hold space for somewhere that's like fun and exciting for us to like, when we look back, it'll be something fun, like a little time capsule. I was also looking at other people around the world who are holding their own type of time capsules. And I thought, so when are we gonna get that? So I was just waiting for somebody, some organization to do something and no one was doing it. So that's how it happened. I just wanted to hold space for like with art, essentially place with no biases. Mm -hmm. So what was the process to get this off the ground? Process, process, process. Okay, well, that was a long, that's, that's also another long story. It almost, the QQ actually never almost happened. Oh, really? So you didn't tell me that. <laughs> okay, so to backtrack, in some, like, it was, the QQ was born out of me not wanting to wait anymore and to create a conversation and to also hold space, is what I said before. So the QQ almost did not happen because I was facing a whole lot of obstacles. There were a lot of things that were just getting in the way and I was asked this question before and I thought, okay, I have no answer for this. So then now that I'm thinking about it, I was like, oh yeah, I did face a whole lot of obstacles. It was just staring at me in the face and I didn't think about it. It was me, honestly. Like I got in the way of my own project because I was looking for someone's approval. I was looking for someone's permission. I was like, just waiting for some sort of like legitimate answer where it's like, hey, you should do it. But instead I was listening to like people's voices and people underestimating everything. And honestly, it's, I, it was just a huge like learning curve where I just learned like if something is so important to you 
and it authentically speaks to you, you should go out and do it. And you shouldn't let someone's disapproval, your own doubts get in the way of what you want to say. Because at the end of the day, like, I realized like I was the one who could have pushed forward, or I was the one who could have flipped the switch and said, okay, that's the end of the day, I'm going to turn around and not do this anymore. So that was a huge learning curve where like, this was like a big conversation that was important to me and that I had to speak up for it. Right. So again, the main hurdle was that I should not have listened to my own ego, hubris, my own narcissism. I shouldn't have listened to other people's ego, narcissism, and hubris because I realized like what I wanted to say was a message that was really honest to me. The QQ was meant to serve, not to please people. And I realized like, like again, the QQ was meant to serve, not to please people. So when I so when that happened, it, I realized like this, this sparked something to me and it, it matters. I was like, wow, that's right. I shouldn't have to please people. I need to serve the community. And so that's how it happened. That was like the big obstacle that like that I overcame was that I listened to my own message and I realized like, yeah, I don't, it doesn't really matter what other people say because I'm here to help other people. Yeah. So you can take it or leave it for what it is. Like, I don't need to, you don't, if you don't need the help, that's fine. I'll help someone else. And so, so yeah. Oh, I was going to say, once you overcame those, those hurdles, what uh, was the process and the journey to get from the concept to actually getting it off the ground to where it is now? Uh, who are the people that you talked to? And, uh, you know, what was the planning process like? So for that, it was me talking to um, Mike at T-Base and we were just having a casual conversation. And then I just said, like, you know, I'm just waiting for something to happen. And then that's when we started talking and I started talking about this concept. And then that's when things started snowballing and we started reaching out to other organizations to partner up with. And there were some organizations that were interested, but they were not. And there were also some individuals and people who had an interest in it, but we felt that it did not authentically align with us. And then when we met up with Myzeum, it was like very, very aligned. Like all they wanted to do was serve the message as well. Like it wasn't about like commodifying the QQ and like, making into something that it wasn't it was all about service and when we all got together met up on zoom we talked it was just like we were already becoming such a big team because all we because there was no like because i'm in this position i'm gonna do this it was more like well what can we do to amplify the message of the qq what can we do to serve our community and everybody was just so educated on the whole situation all we wanted to do was like what was like putting people first and that's when we realized like this was like authentically aligned that we had to just work with my ZM and T-Base. And this was definitely a project we needed to bring right. forward. Just for our listeners who are new to the concept of the quarantine capsule, what is the message of the quarantine capsule and also what is its purpose? So the quarantine capsule is a digital archive of Asian Canadians and their experience during the COVID-19 pandemic. And it is expressed through art, stories, whatever digital medium is possible. And we've targeted people in the Ontario area. And we also have a mentorship program. We also have a live webinar to further speak about why archiving Asian Canadian voices matter. And especially because we need to create counter narratives and have Asian Canadians take control of their own voices. Right. And for those who are not familiar with Myzeum, who are they and what do they do? So Myzeum is Toronto's museum without walls. They are honestly like the most unique museum ever because they are honestly a platform 
Like I know a lot, some people have asked me like, what is my ZM? I've never heard of them. So are they that big? And it's like, well, that's the amazing part about community is that they are not about branding themselves or having some sort of agenda. Their goal is just to amplify your voice and ensuring that they are taking care of their community. So that's why they wanted to find all these great stories about Toronto, even Ontario, and bring it to the forefront so that other people understand that like these stories matter, these community things matter, everything matters. Because I've attended so many of their events and they don't ever say like, this is all done by my museum. They don't ever try to brag about it. It's more like they they honestly just wanna put the organization they're working with first. And that is the same with T-Base. So having those two organizations with the same mindset like, and how, that's how I view it as like, where it's not about branding, but it's about serving. That's how it all became like a really great super powered community teamwork. Awesome. And finally, T-Base. Well, didn't we do an episode on them? If I remember yes, correctly. Yes, we did. Yes, we <laughs> did. And then that's how I started working with Chris. And it was, we were always talking about like, what are we going to do? When are we going to work together on something? And we always never had the time. And then this was just something that like, was important to all of us so chris came on board to help out to represent t-base mm-hmm. so if you haven't listened to that episode please go back and listen to our interview with christy carrier it was uh it was it was a really good episode definitely uh a lot of good information there t-base is a fantastic fantastic organization okay so you mentioned a mentorship program uh yes. as part of the qq what is that because it was a huge part of the qq so the one of the criterias of submitting to the QQ is that you have to be a self-identifying Asian living in Ontario. And the thing is that when you say like we want to create an art gallery or, you know, anything that says art or calling out for artists, then it does kind of intimidate certain people in the Asian Canadian community who do want to take part in the QQ, because some people may say, oh, what if it's not good enough? And there's just so much of those doubts in your mind. So we wanted to be able to widen the net and say like, if you want to contribute something, we have people who know how to create things to help you create. Mm -hmm. And so that's the mentorship program is that you get paired up with somebody and we help you create something for the QQ. And if you haven't listened to our last episode, which you definitely should, who were the mentors? We have Keith Locke, we have Joshua Aries and myself. And who are all of you, including yourself? (laughs) Oh, we're all like creatives in our own way. Josh is a filmmaker based out in BC, Keith in Toronto, and myself in Toronto. And honestly, the mentorship program just goes to show that even though we do want to like archive history, there's still a lot of voices that are being overlooked because there's not enough opportunities, there's not enough nudges. So it just, it was just like another thing that we started learning along the way through the mentorship program. Mm -hmm. So what was your experience like being a mentor? My experience, honestly, it was very, very rewarding. It was very fun to just sit there and to just listen. Honestly, like that was my job. I was just listening. I really feel like I really didn't do anything. I was just giving some, I was holding space for somebody to give them the opportunity to be able to try and experiment with something and then letting them realize like your voice really matters and that you can create something. If it's that important to you, you can create. And then I really did not do anything really. I just gave feedback, but it wasn't, they already had the skills and they didn't know it. They just needed someone to hold space for them. So through that journey, did you learn anything about yourself? Uh, Wow. Did I learn anything? I learned that I really like to facilitate conversation. It is, I learned that it is important to 
facilitate conversation as well as speaking in the conversation. You, because without someone to facilitate, you can't have, you can't speak in the conversation. So I learned that I, I prefer facilitating more. So your mentee was Jason Wong. He created an, an, a beautiful video about his line dance drumming. But, you know, we've already heard about him in the last episode, but I would love, and I'm sure everyone else would love to hear more about your side of it. What was it like working with him? It was honestly awesome. I really liked talking with him. He had such a round the world um, mentality, which is something that I also adopted from my travels. So we both connected very well on that. And he also has a really big heart and he just wants to make a difference. He also wants to create good change, send out good positive energy. And so it was honestly just finding a way to encapsulate everything that he is into a short video. Working with him is just a joy. He just really knows what he wants. And I think that just holding space to let him speak it, he already has the tools. It was amazing. He's amazing. He definitely is. All right. Well, you also worked with the other mentors and mentees. Tell us a little bit about that. Honestly, I feel like we all had the easiest job, to be honest. All we literally did was just sit back and just like, listen, do the same thing and just offer feedback and just let people know that these stories matter because sometimes I feel like we are our own biggest critics and that we think like, oh yeah, just a cooking video. Okay. I don't think that's important because that's something that we do in our everyday life. But the problem is like, maybe it's just not documented enough. Maybe we just speak it, but we haven't documented it enough. Mm -hmm. And so when we see like things that brought joy to our mentees, we realize like this is something that was important to them. And we let them know like, hey, this is important to you and that you should talk about it. And they did. And they were very comfortable. And we made sure that they felt comfortable because we didn't want them to go like, hey, you should like spill the tea on this. <laughs> yeah. So no, we just all had fun. And I think that deep down, they all had a plan for what they wanted to do and say, and they just needed someone to be like, hey, this is important to you. You should do it. Hold space. Yeah. So we heard about your process and how being a mentor has impacted you. But what about the QQ itself? How has it helped you grow as a person? How has it helped me grow as a person? Okay. So like in terms of inches, it's more horizontal than vertical. But this has been happening before the QQ. Okay. That was a joke. That was a joke, guys. I mean, you're pretty <laughs> short. Night. You haven't gotten any taller. <laughs> this is such a hard question. Um... I guess the QQ has made me learn the value of um, letting go of negativity of what I can't control and just to channel it into something positive as I can't control the pandemic. I can't control people's opinions, but what I can control is like my own thoughts and that I want something positive. And so I, and then the QQ happened. So yes, being positive and uh, cause in life, you know, there's a lot of failure in life that can happen. And it's, it's nice that you are learning to see the positive side of things. So how do you overcome failure or at least what you perceive to be failure? It is very hard to overcome failure. That's just a human emotion that everyone goes through and it's tough for everybody everywhere. And it's honestly part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. So it definitely hurts for sure. So feel that feeling, allow yourself to feel that feeling. But also I feel like for me, what I've learned is that failure is not exactly failure. It's honestly a chance to be more creative. You have to take that no as a way to reflect on things on what you did and see what you can do better. Come at it from another angle. 
So you just take that failure as like a learning lesson, because without that quote unquote failure, it wouldn't have pushed you to try again. It wouldn't let you come at, come at the obstacle from another angle to force you to be more creative. Because if you were given yes at the first go, then were you really that creative or were you just given like an easy handout, right? Yeah. If life gave you like yeses all the time, then did you really push yourself to the limit? So I think it's very healthy to hear like no or that, you know, this is wrong because it forces you to try again from another angle that you've never have seen before. So yes, it hurts. So let it hurt. And then move forward because failure does not reflect you or your ability. It probably just means you weren't ready for it yet. It's like I from like auditions and stuff sometimes like it sucks to hear no all the time. It also sucks when there's a hundred actors going for one role. It sucks. But then that just means that you're going to open yourself up to other parts later because maybe something on that schedule was was taken away. But then there's something on a better schedule. Something better is going to open up. So for me, when I'm working, I am so used to anticipating no from everybody, but that's just the inner critic in me that I'm always, that I always got to push myself to ensure that I've looked at every single angle to ensure that maybe there is no no somewhere. And if someone can find that one no, then it's like a game. I sometimes I see it as a game where it's like, oh, you found it. You found the one flaw in my plan. (laughs) But at the same time, I kind of, I kind of like it because it's like, oh, thank you. I see now. So. So yeah. Let yourself hurt, but then let yourself see things from a whole other angle and try again. That's some very good advice. Let's narrow that down a little bit. Uh, what would be your best advice for aspiring Asian Canadian artists? My goodness. But I feel like I'm dropping nuggets throughout this interview today. What can you I are. say? <laughs> like, well, what's uh, the best piece of advice? Can you, can you narrow that down? <laughs> okay. Mm. Live your truth. Don't let anyone reject your truth. And it's okay to like accept people's rejection of things that are true to you. Because when you walk away from that, there's going to be a whole other tribe of people who will share your same mindset and they will help you thrive. Nice. So in terms of the, uh, the, you're not alone. (laughs) That is true. In terms of the Asian Canadian uh, artists in the QQ, were there, what are some of the most uh, or the more impactful or memorable stories that you heard or watched in the QQ? I've honestly seen everybody's probably like close to 10 times each. I feel like I've gotten to know each and every, but each and every single one very well, even despite not meeting them. It's honestly crazy. Um, there are some submissions from people who have won crazy awards that it kind of makes me wonder like, whoa, what, why is this so important to you? And there are some stories when after we accepted them, they didn't want the honorarium because they just said they cared about the cause. And I felt like that was also another thing that impacted the QQ because it was like, they just wanted to be part of the cause and the message, which was crazy. I think that, and there's also some submissions that came as far as Thunder Bay. Oh, wow. There were some submissions that came like, further than Algonquin. And so I think that, I think as a whole, it became so impactful because it was like we connected all these people together into one space together. And each and every single one of them, they were just intertwined because everyone's experiences can connect with someone else's experience in some way. So I believe like, honestly, together, it just created like this, like huge budget I need to buy tissues. (laughs) 
I know the, the lead up was supposed to be something epic, but that, that was honestly it. <laughs> I just want to veer off on a slight tangent based on the stuff you just said. So Canada, we as Canadians pride ourselves on our diversity. We are a diverse country and we celebrate it and we we advertise ourselves around the world as being the most diverse country on the planet. It is literally our calling card and one of the biggest parts of our identity. But at the end of the day, Canada is still considered a more, I guess, Western society. So just to give our listeners a bit of uh, uh, context for your life, living in Canada, has there ever been a time where you felt disconnected from say your culture from being Vietnamese and how have you found ways to feel more connected to your Asian identity oh my goodness that's such a good question (laughs) I think that all of us have actually spent close to our whole life trying to find the answer to this question I feel like all of us have gone through this and we have and it's becoming a big struggle mm-hmm. but honestly I feel like I've made my peace with this question I honestly feel very disconnected whenever I've had to pinpoint or categorize myself through labels of either being Asian Canadian Vietnamese whatever female whatever and also when you know, when people try to put people in the boxing, like this is your category. And I feel like that's where the disconnect happens, especially in Canada, where now we have this huge hyphenated identity. So I think to sum it up, the huge disconnect is when there are labels, especially in Canada, and when it's so hard to pinpoint who you are, because we have grown past that. And I feel connected to my Asian Canadian identity by celebrating the, my hyphenated identity. So for example, for me in my own life, um, I'm the daughter of refugee parents. So that's completely different from immigrants. And so my parents were living in the Philippines for a bit before being sponsored to Canada where I am now, luckily. So we adopted a lot of Filipino cuisines and traditions. So I grew up, and also in Canada growing up, I grew up with a lot of Filipino and Vietnamese communities growing up. So I grew up speaking a little bit of Tagalog and a lot of Vietnamese as well. And then I grew up having more other cultures into my life, such as um, France or French culture and everything. And then picked up a lot of Chinese culture, a lot of things that I've adopted. So back to... Uh, being connected to my culture and celebrating everything. To not acknowledge, for example, my adopted Filipino culture is to completely ignore a huge part of the Vietnamese history of diaspora, to ignore my parents' journey to Canada if I simply just talked about being Vietnamese. And so I think that we do need to highlight the fact that we should celebrate all of our adopted cultures in Canada, even though it may seem Western. Canada has given me a chance to connect with what it means to be Asian in so many different ways. And I think like to just pinpoint it somewhere is to completely ignore a whole journey of a million other immigrants who have come to make Canada what it is. So in some, I guess I would say Canada is a mix of cultures. It's a place where we are trying to connect in various ways. And I, and I think by looking at it that way, it does help find some peace in the answer that 
I, I, that, that used to like haunt me for a while, but now I've made my peace with it by looking at it like that. So expanding that outwards with connecting to Asian culture in general, um, let's talk a little bit about representation because despite our country being diverse, we still struggle with representation and that includes Asian representation. What in your mind does proper Asian representation and proper representation itself generally look like to you? I know that we talked about this at the webinar. So, okay. Oh yeah, I should also talk about that too. So the webinar was held on November 18th with the mentor team along with Chris and my ZM where we got to talk about why archiving Asian Canadian stories, why it matters and the significance of Chinatowns. There is a huge connection, a huge intrinsic relationship actually between our communities and our physical cultural spaces because we need our physical cultural spaces in order to unite our community. Now that we have shifted online, we are not present in our physical cultural spaces. So when we return, do we have a safe haven? Do we have a place where we can connect with our culture when we don't? And to go back to what does proper representation and Asian representation looks like, it is a question that is rooted in history. And so, and there's so many layers to this. Like for example, history back in the day, it wasn't recorded as well as we have now. We have the access to record things through our phone. We can do it through video. And there's still, obviously, there's still some biases and whatnot as to who's telling the story and who's not. And so there's that one layer where we do need to take a look at our history and where we can highlight that because Asians have been around forever. We're just not highlighted. Asians have been in the film industry. They have been in every industry for a while. They're just not highlighted. Stories are told, shared through family and everything. They are just not highlighted in the mainstream. So when we celebrate um, Crazy Rich Asians, it's a question of whether or not we are celebrating the fact that it hit the mainstream market because there are so many Asian film festivals making big films with Asian people, but are they hitting the mainstream market? So there's that layer of that. So it's, a very, it's very hard to say what, what Asian representation looks like because are we saying we want more roles in the media? Do we want more stories told? Is it a numbers game? But then if we say it's a numbers game that we want to boost up numbers, then are we saying we want tokenism? So there's a whole lot of layers to what it looks like. So there's that. All I'm saying is that right now there's so much. They're just not highlighted and it's, it's not becoming the norm. Actually, um, I think the best way to consider what proper representation is, is to delve into its layers and to understand what we want from representation. Is right if I share a quote? Go ahead. Okay. Okay. So this is a quote that I said at the webinar called um, by D.L. Stewart's language of appeasement. And it's a quote that I have been, I've had with me for like years because the article came out a few years ago, but I, it still carries with me to this day because when we want to talk about representation, we do have to talk about other terms as well. So the language of appeasement by D.L. Stewart. Diversity asks, who's in the room? Equity responds, who is trying to get in the room but can't? Whose presence in the room is under constant threat of erasure? Inclusion asks, has everyone's ideas been heard? Justice responds, whose ideas won't be taken as seriously because they aren't in the majority? Diversity asks, how many more 
of any minority group do we have this year than last? Equity responds, what conditions have we created that maintain certain groups as the perpetual majority here? Inclusion asks, is this environment safe for everyone to feel like they belong? Justice challenges, whose safety is being sacrificed and minimized to allow others to be comfortable maintaining dehumanizing views? So my answer to what does re proper representation looks like, it's honestly a lot of layers that we do have to go through. It is a lot of years of work, but I feel like we need to understand what we want in order to start making proper action. Do you think the QQ is helping to push that forward? I think by making sure that we have a place to share our history, it's a step forward because I feel like we hear so much history from other cultures and we don't really know what is really rooted in Asian culture, especially Asian Canadian culture, other than repeated history of exclusion. So what are your main takeaways from the QQ and working on the QQ? Main takeaways, oh my goodness. Uh, uh, <laughs> this is such a hard question. There's so many things. Um, honestly, I just keep coming back when I keep reflecting on the QQ. I keep coming back to the teamwork between like T-Base, Myzeum, Josh, and Keith as we just wholeheartedly want to serve our community message, like each and every single one of us. And it just goes to show like the power of community. It speaks volume. We were not thinking about the applause at the end. And the whole time we were thinking like, what can we do to best serve this message? What can we do better? What can we do to amplify the QQ's message? Are we missing anything? Whose voices are we not listening to? Are we being inclusive enough, especially with our webinar? We had someone doing subtitles. We had ASL. We were going through the webinar topics over and over and over again, and just planning everything out because we we just wanted to be committed to the QQ's message and values and goals. And we were just not prepared for the force of magnitude, or at least I was not prepared for it because I wasn't thinking about it at all. So I guess the main takeaway, main takeaway is that if you've got something to say, it'll be heard from everywhere as long as there is no self-interest. If you if it's there to serve the people, then the people will want that service, if that makes sense. Oh, it, it totally does. So a last question. Where is the quarantine capsule? How can people see it? Y'all can Google it. We are very findable on Google. Nightingale. So <laughs> There's a URL. Come on. <laughs> yes, you can find us on the Myzeum website. So you can find us on there, but it also if you just Google quarantine capsule, so quarantine capsule is spelt with Q-A-P-S-U-L-E, so QQ. That's why we keep referring to it as the QQ. You can find us online. We will be there forever. That is the purpose. So check See, it I out. I just used Google. All you have to do is go to myzeumoftoronto.com and then go to the quarantine capsule section, Nightingale. Yes, but you did use Google. Well, yes, but still. So that's M-Y-S-E-U-M-O-F-Toronto.com. Wow, that was a very, very inspiring conversation we had. Thank you so much for being here today, Nightingale. It was Thank lovely you. Happy to, to be here, you. Michael. Lovely to have you as a guest.
Thank you. you. I'm happy to be here. Definitely. Thank you, Michael. uh, Would love to have you back on the show sometime, maybe soon. Yeah, every other Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) So you want to be a co-host of this show? (laughs) Are you are you trying to steal our Nightingale's position? The segue, I would also like to thank my Zam, T Base. Keith and Josh, everybody else, every single community group that was out there supporting us, even people, individuals from the US, the UK, Europe, everywhere outside Canada. We got your emails. We love you. So, oh, I would like to add one more message to the aspiring Asian Canadian artists. Go ahead. Okay. Hi, everybody. So, we received a couple of emails from some people who were actually scared to accept the honorarium who were shocked because it was your first time being part of something like an art gallery or to have your work accepted somewhere. So I just want to say that the honorarium is a place where we just want to acknowledge the time that you put in. It's not really payment. It's just thank you because we want, I didn't realize that it it made such a difference because your time is valued and working for free. I understand like it's a big part of the creative industry working for exposure, but I think that I'm really happy that things are changing with the QQ that we were able to provide something to be able to change that mentality. So please accept gifts when you're given because your work is valuable. It very much is. And thank you so much for, uh, for creating this Nightingale. Thank you for overcoming all your obstacles. Thank you for just realizing all of this. It's so important to to highlight Asian voices because oftentimes we are not. And it's just, this whole project is humongous. It's absolutely massive. And now that it's here, you know, I, I hope it will inspire generations and generations of artists and, and people in general moving forward. Um, what what else I'm hoping will inspire people moving forward is our podcast. Again, this is the last episode of 2020, which has been a, a, a very crazy year. Um, oh, what a year. Mm-hmm. And definitely an interesting uh, second year for us. Uh, lots of changes have happened with our formats, with, with how we do things with ourselves but I think um, I think it, we are now in a position to do a lot of good moving forward. And I, for one, am very excited for 2021. Yes, and let's move forward. And I'm really hoping to have you back. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to talk. <laughs> so uh, have you had as much fun as I have had? Because it, it's, been, it's been a wild ride so far. Yeah, it, it's it's been very wild. Um, we did not anticipate this. So, mm-hmm. but honestly, I think that we were already doing the QQ's work. We were already highlighting Asian voices. So we've already been doing the work, and we, yeah, we've been doing yeah, good we, stuff. We've, we've lent, yeah, we we we've uh, done our part, helped out. But yeah. the QQ is just phenomenal. But yes, listeners, thank you so much for for an amazing 2020. We we surpassed a thousand listens, uh, which is a huge achievement for us. So thank yes. you for that. And uh, thank you, Michael, for holding space for me to talk. Holding space, you hold space for me too. We we hold each other's 
spaces. That sounds terrible. But <laughs> um, no, seriously, we, we've reached how many countries? Just on Spotify alone, we've hit nine countries. But then if you look at our, our Podbean account where we're hosted, I think we've hit something like 20 countries. So like we are international and uh, we've had international crossovers and we've had international crossovers. Yes, we have. Um, we are definitely looking to do a lot more in 2021 to have to reach a larger and larger audience in 2021 and uh, to have more and more guests in 2021. So to everybody, you know, let's let's put 2020 behind us. You know, let's push through this pandemic. The vaccine is here. And hopefully, you know, by this time next year, this pandemic won't be a thing anymore. So once again, stay safe, everyone, because we, again, the pandemic isn't over. Uh, so we want you all to stay safe. And New Year's Eve is coming up. Don't party too hard. You know, stay home. Stay, uh, stay in your own, own bubbles. And uh, so, yeah, safely celebrate the coming of the new year. Nightingale, how can people connect with you online? Y'all can find me on Instagram at night.nwin. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter as at Michael C.W. Chan and my website at www.michaelchan.ca. Everybody, thank you so much for 2020. Here's to an amazing 2021. Stay home, stay safe, and stay hungry. hungry. This has been Talking Myth Our Mouthful with Michael Chan and Nightingale Nguyen. Music by Harrison Amer, crafts by Janine Cantrell, photography by E, and voiceovers by me, Jessica Chan. If you enjoy our adventures, please consider following or subscribing to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Want to connect with us? Maybe even participate in our podcast? Look for us on Instagram and Twitter at, at TWMF Podcast. And as always, stay hungry. <laughs>